Welcome to Flight Plans, the official podcast of the SAE Aero Design Series. Hey guys, welcome back to Flight Plans, the SAE Aero Design Podcast. I'm Mike Sorg, the video and podcast producer for the SAE CDS Series, and we're getting ready for the 2022 edition of Aero Design, and we're taking a special look at the advanced class today. Most of you probably already know, every year the Rules Committee revisits the specific rules for one of the three classes of the SAE Aero Design Program. This year, the committee is focused on the advanced class and making changes that are focused on growth of the program and its relevance within the industry. Lonnie Dong and David Moraniti of the Rules Committee have joined us today to dive a little deeper into what the changes for the advanced class look like. First of all, for those of the uninitiated, Lonnie, David, can you give just a little bit of quick background? My name is David Moraniti, and I've been on the Rules Committee for a couple years now. Uh, before that, I was an advisor and even a student competitor in SAE aero design. I love this competition. I love what it brings to students and to teams. And so I decided to continue my involvement after graduation to help you know, bring this competition into the future. My name is Lonnie Dong. Uh, I've been involved in this competition since 1997. That's um, a long, long time ago before some of you guys were even maybe just being born. I've been involved since then, uh, graduated from the comp. Um, with the competition and actually got hired from to industry with the competition. I am now sitting on the rules committee. I'm acting as chair uh, of the rules committee, basically just making sure that um, some of the rules and the, the discussion we have is, is along a path of where we want to go set forward in that capacity. But um, from industry perspective, I am the uh, manager for uh, Lockheed Martin. I am responsible for weapon system integration, development, and implementation for all the platforms we have out there on support our warfighters so uh that's that's who i am excellent great to have you guys back and again always great to have a conversation with you for those who don't know the advanced class is an all-electric class that is designed to inspire future engineers to take systems approach to problem solving while at the same time exposing them to explore the possibilities of autonomous flights it's my understanding that there's a brand new mission for teams choosing the advanced class this year can you guys give us a, a glimpse of into what we're going to expect from this new mission when I took over the the, uh, um, the competition uh, chair um, back in 2013-12 timeframe, one of the things um, I, I wanted to do was define what is advanced class, what is what is regular class, what is micro class, right? And advanced class is is what we kind of drive things towards um, autonomous aircraft. Um, that's the that's the I, I think the uh, middle step. Eventually, I want to go towards an AI, uh, artificial intelligence class for uh, advanced class, but this is the, that beginning step to get us into, into this space. Um, uh, one of the things I, I, I like to see for the advanced class um, it is to uh, look at um, involving multiple um, dis engineering disciplines to get involved um, from electrical, mechanical, aerospace, um, cyber all that area to, to get involved and, and one of the things that i'm pushing for is to get more uh, engineering discipline involved in, in in the competition not just aero design uh, in, in in the past um we have a narrative of a mars mission right and today um going forward um, we have a narrative of a, a firefighter uh, um, a mission 
But whatever the narrative is, I think the challenge is the same um, from an engineering perspective. I think it's all about solving problems and solving, um, solving problems creatively. And one of the things about the background that Vance has going forward, I, I'd like to see is, is for students to start thinking about um, the system uh, of solving the problems, the requirements of solving the problems, and and to challenge the students to think a little differently on how to solve those problems. And and that's that's the vision I have for for the advanced class. Yeah, and that resonated a lot with me when we have these conversations about what the future looks like for SAE and how each of those classes, what role they fill in in what we're teaching students. So the systems engineering approach of these are complex systems of aircrafts and electronics and aerodynamics and structures and payloads and electronics and software that all have to come together in order to be successful. And even in industry, you have there's incredible value for not just being in your own silo of a skill set, being just an aerodynamicist or being just a structures guy, but being familiar with the areas and expertises that you work with on a you know daily basis for your project. So you may not need to be an electrical engineer, but to know what it takes to incorporate electronics into your design makes you a better engineer. You may not be structures, but understanding how load is transferred through a structure makes you a better engineer when you have to make decisions in a multidisciplinary environment. And that's what we're really looking to highlight with advanced class. Open up this team, bring in all these extra disciplines in order to bring success, in order to create success and a better educational experience for the students. So as Lonnie pointed out, we're looking at this this year as a wildfire uh, scenario where teams will have to have a their primary aircraft, as they're used to a very big airplane or traditionally large airplane, that's going to carry a static payload of water and it's going to do the traditional flight. But while it's up there, it's going to have to release a powered this year autonomous vehicle. And that powered vehicle is going to have to find its way to land in a one of a number of target landing zones that will be out on the field. And this could be, you know, one of three or one of five different zones that are picked when you're on the flight line. So you're going to be taking off. You're going to have to identify where that zone is. You're going to have to release the powered unmanned vehicle, which we're calling the PADA, standing for the powered autonomous delivery aircraft. And it's going to have to land in this zone, and you're going to get points for how close you land. Now, the payload for the PADA is parts of an autonomous ground vehicle. And at the end of the competition, for all the parts that you've landed successfully, we're going to do another demonstration event that we'll talk about a little later, I'm thinking. And you're going to assemble this vehicle from the parts that you've landed and go off and do that that event. So you see that it's a series of requirements that are all building on each other. Each one you can do autonomously for a certain number of points or manually for less points, but you can still accomplish them. And as all of these disciplines build together, you get more and more success. You mentioned that we have to deliver water and, quote, parts. Uh, Can you speak a little more about the vision of this objective? Sure. So if you imagine that, you know, firefighting out in the wilderness, you've got these people that are very far from the rest of civilization, typically in fighting the wildfires out in the forests, in the wildlands. And we want to be able to get them parts and supplies. 
So the main aircraft is going to be carrying water as part of its static payload. It will not be dumping it. It's just going to take off and fly with it. But the parts are for a ground vehicle. And that ground vehicle in the scenario is going to be able to transfer the water from where, from the forward operating base to the front lines where they're actually going to use the water to fight the fires. So that's the idea is we're building these vehicles and bringing the supplies to this frontline base to then get out to the firefighters at the wildfire. I love the objectives and again, always the, 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 the real life scenarios that are applied to this. I'm also excited about the PADA. Can you explain a little bit how this differs from the uh, current glider CDA that we've seen in the last iteration of the advanced rules? Just, just a little history. Um, again, back to the advanced classes, we've always want to uh, approach this particular competition from an autonomous vehicle, right? And, and move towards this artificial intelligence being able to do the search and rescue type of activity. And being able to, having the aircraft being able to, to just decipher what's on the ground and how do I approach those activities or, or how do I approach those targets or, you know, do what they, what they need to be done. Um, one of the things uh, we, in the past, because we were a little constrained with, with some of the things we have to do, um, we started out with a glider. And one of those gliders is about uh, um, collecting data and how to, how to use that data. I think over the last four years, five years, six years, however we, how long we've been doing this, uh, we, we have, I think, mature enough to be able to say, let's introduce power, power vehicle to those gliders, and, and I'm, I'm really excited that this year that we are, uh, are able to put a powered vehicle to do this autonomous vehicle, I'm an autonomous, autonomous mission, and, and to, to, to be able to, to, to use that and then be able to do complete a mission, not, not just having power, but having artificial intelligence to direct uh, an aircraft to do a specific mission. So. Uh, this is pretty pretty exciting for us to to, to even implement and, and to be able to put out there as a requirement for the students to do. Yeah, we're we're working towards maturing our requirements, right? So we started with autonomous navigation, but it wasn't really powered, so it was a more controllable problem. And as we go into the future, as we learn more, we can start expanding the mission that we apply autonomy and AI to. So today it's going to be a powered vehicle. That vehicle is going to be able to loiter. It's going to be able to look around. It's going to be able to land itself accurately. And then in the future, we continue to expand that. Maybe it does more of a mission. Maybe the primary aircraft becomes autonomous. But what this is allowing us to do is build the knowledge expertise, um, both on the committee side, from the competition side, and on the team side, in order to be able to have more um, aggressive challenges in the future while maintaining the safety and success that we've enjoyed for the past 26 years now, I believe, for SAE Aero Design. Can you talk more about the different landing zones that there uh, will be for the PADA and uh, which one teams will have to uh, land at? Yeah, sure. So in the past, we've done a single giant zone out in the field that teams had the GPS coordinates for. And the goal was to get your powered glider or your droppables in the zone. Sometimes we did as close as possible and you got scores from that. Sometimes it was just a checkbox of did you land or not. This year, it is, there's going to be a number of zones. So it could be three zones, could be five zones. They're slightly smaller in size um, in terms of radius. And 
you're not going to know which zone you're going to be directed to land at until you're on the line, at which point you're, you know, somebody on your team, probably the payload specialist will draw from the hat. And that will be the zone that you're targeting when you get in the air. We're also not going to be letting you go out into the field to get the GPS coordinates ahead of time. You're going to have to find it using a different system, whether that be cameras or some other set of tools and sensors, you're going to have to find it on your own, and then you're going to have to direct the aircraft to land there within the period of your flight. And it will be, it, you know, very well could be a different zone every single time you go up to fly. Yeah, so, so what I would probably encourage here is, is to be creative as much as you can uh, to, to search out those areas. Uh, we've left the space um, for the design space very open. Um, like David was leading to you, is you know we're, we're very careful of saying saying um, uh, we're allowing the students to figure out how to do it. So that that's that's the creative part. That's I think that's the exciting part of this competition is you have a lot of freedom to figure out how to do it, not just to do it conventionally, but how to do it differently. So th this is pretty exciting to to see what uh, comes up, what the student comes up with. Tell us a bit more about the ground transport vehicle. This is something that is completely new to SAE Air Design program and a bit outside the normal scope. Can you speak to why you chose to include this in this year's mission and its relevancy in today's industry? One of the things that, uh, like I said earlier, was was not whether it's uh, ground autonomy or air autonomy or sea autonomy. The challenge is the same, right? And adding this ground autonomy uh, to the competition just uh, exposes the, our aero design uh, competitors a little bit about the challenges that um, they may have, they may overcome, have to overcome with uh, air um, from uh, from aero design, right? Because an airplane, from a tiny perspective, they just fly; they don't have to worry about hitting obstacles or whatever, whatever they have. But um, adding this element or this this little um, twist to the competition. Um, for them to th start thinking about uh, the challenges that cars have to go through from a autonomy perspective and, and air, air, aircraft perspective, you know, th there's differences. And um, ultimately, if they have that background and when they go um, interview for jobs and in industry, they, they can talk about the differences and, and be able to uh, ultimately, uh, at the back end, they're just trying to make sure they're well-rounded enough to, to be able to talk about what autonomy means from an air, aircraft versus an automotive industry. Yeah, it, it exposes the students to a larger scope of the same problem, right? Whether it's the design of a system, you know, right now they've been designing airplanes, but this is, you know, it's a little bit different. It's a car. Are they designing the autonomy aspect, right? They have to now consider that there's more to it than just, can you go to a waypoint as you fly? So there, it exposes them to a broader aspect of the same problems in a different context. The other side of this is that um, it shows that there are dependencies, that somebody down the chain of your mission is dependent on the decisions you make early on. You know, if you have to transport parts of this GTV, how many parts are you going to transport? What do they look like? How do they come together? How are you going to consider all these place, these these requirements and constraints on your aircraft design and how are those going to flow down towards the GTV and the decisions and its capabilities. So all of that really matters a lot in this case because the more you do in this competition, the more points you're going to be able to achieve. 
Right, and, and one thing I'll add on to that is there, from a autonomy perspective, there are some similarities. And uh, by introducing both ground vehicle and air vehicle, um, hopefully the students will be able to see some of the similarities on some what autonomy means and how to achieve it. But then, you know, as you get into the details, it starts diverging. And then that's when I think the engineering side comes in and how do we solve that problem. Can you tell us more about what the GTV will have to do upon successfully being delivered by the PADA? As the PADAs are launched and they land in the zones, any part that goes towards the GTV, we're going to impound in a box. So for example, if you've got the wheels on this flight and you land in the zone, those wheels are going to go into a box that we're going to keep at the way station. As you build up all the parts, those will all go into that box. At, during the demonstration, you're gonna, we're going to give you the box, put it on the line, and you're going to have a period of time, it's listed in the rules, where you go, you open the box, you assemble the GTV, and remember, all parts have to go in there. So all the parts, all the tools, the tape, the glue, everything that you're going to need needs to be in that box for the GTV. You assemble the GTV, and then all of the water that you've carried over static payloads throughout the course of the competition is going to be there for you to load onto the GTV, again, however you decide to do that, and get it through this essentially obstacle course to the other side, but maybe 30 feet or so away, at which point you unload the GTV into another container, all the water into another container, and send it back. So you're doing these multiple back and forths. And the goal is essentially to get as much water as you can to the destination as possible. So if you've carried you know, 20 pounds of water or whatever from your primary aircraft, that's how much water you're carrying through this demonstration from by the GTV. And if you can do that autonomously, if the GTV is operating completely autonomously, you get a higher score than if you are, let's say, manually controlling it with a transmitter. So not that you can't do it manually, but you get more points for doing it autonomously, as you as you would imagine, because it's more difficult. But this kind of idea of a, a Monte Carlo start where you're uh, everyone's on a line, all the teams are lined up, they run up to their boxes, they assemble their GTVs, and then they're carrying water from one side to the other against each other um, to see who can do the most in the time window as possible. Again, representing getting water to the firefighters at the scene of a fire, of a wildfire. Can you explain a little bit of what the process will be like uh, for the teams operating the GTVs and, and what kind of those obstacles uh, will they have to uh, expect to overcome? The obstacles are no higher than three inches, as I believe as we've worded it in the rules. But that's about all we're saying at this point in time. There's a little diagram of what it might look like also in the rules. But the idea is that it's not just driving a straight line. You're probably not going to be able to do that. You're going to have to put in a little more effort than that. Um, and the purpose, again, is to get as much water as you have carried from the primary aircraft throughout the course of the competition from one side to the other uh, using the GTV, again, representing this larger problem that you're trying to solve. So this is definitely a big change, and it sounds like there's a lot to be excited about and look forward to for uh, 2022. What would you both say you're most looking forward to seeing this season in regards to this advanced class? Every year we go through this development cycle, and and one of the things I assess the success of a development cycle from, from either microclass, advanced class, 
and um, regular class is how excited the rules committee um, is about developing the rules. Um, this year in particular, I just want to say this year in particular, I have received numerous calls uh, outside of our, uh, our normal committee meetings and, and development meetings, numerous calls about what they like to see, what they like to do, what, so it, it tells me that there's a lot of potential for this particular um, idea that we're trying to push. push. And it, it also tells me that there's a lot of investment in all the rules committee members to make sure this is successful, not only from a, a from a how do we want to challenge the students, but also what do we want to the students to learn from the event. And I, I receive a lot of those calls and this year more than one than any of, of the 13 years I've been involved with the, the rules committee and, and and being involved in, in, in some of the, the, the details. It's, it seems like this year for the advanced class, I have received a lot more calls on how they want to shape the, the, rules, the rules. So I'm looking forward to it and I'm kind of excited to see how this turns out. One of the things that I, I really look forward to is we left this, this competition really open to, um, to the design space and um, to see what the students come up with. Again, back to the think differently, how to solve the problem. I'm excited to see how, how um, each each team approach the problem and, and how they solve it. So I think it's going to be exciting. Yeah, I agree with that a lot. Um, I always look for how much potential is there in a given rule set to innovate. And, you know, I, I think that the rules that constrain you the most are also the most boring. And that is definitely not the case here. And it also gives us a lot of opportunities in the future for how we can grow and develop this out um, versus what we've done over the past decade or so that I've been involved um, from competitor up to now rules committee, which is usually involves dropping of something into a zone. So we've kept a lot of that same DNA, but we're expanding on it into a more viable mission and something that's a lot more um, valuable to industry for students to be learning. What do you think is going to be the most challenging aspect of this uh, new advanced rules for the teams? Definitely going to be locating, I think, the landing zones, trying to tie in that. How do we understand the environment that we're operating in rather than starting with a very fixed environment and just trying to execute? I think that's going to be a very different challenge if students are not prepared for that. Yeah, I think from a tactic perspective, I 100% 100% agree with uh, David. Uh, it, it is that, how do we do this, right? Uh, from a strategic pers perspective, though, um, I really think that uh, the challenging part or the most challenging part is uh, for whoever is leading the team um, to navigate all the rule, rules and the requirements and quote unquote, air quote here, loopholes that that um, we kind of put in in place to allow the students to think outside the box a little bit so being able to manage all that being able to, to navigate that and being able to, to to achieve the mission with all the moving parts that we have have enabled to the, in, within the rules will be the most challenging part yeah there's a bunch of conversations that we've had of well what if a team does this and we said yeah and it's like, oh, oh yeah, okay, right? Is this kind of concept that it's okay for 
this kind of, you know, let's see where teams go. Let's leave it open. And then, you know, if something is really breaking, we can close it later. But for the most part, there's a lot that we've considered as possible and are purposefully allowing. Yeah. And, and if, it, if it's, it's really safety related, if it's safety related, we'll be pretty much have a hard line on, on, yeah. on approving it. But if it's innovative, if it's creative, if it's something that's never been done before and non-safety related, we're really excited to see what, what the students come up with. Do you have any advice for teams that may be considering registering uh, for the advanced class this year? And especially for ones that are probably, you know, maybe on the, on the fence about doing it. Yeah. You got to test early and test often. And I mean, that goes for all these classes, but most for advanced class, which is building the airplane is not the hardest part of this competition. And you need to be prepared for that. And you need to be prepared to be testing as often as you possibly can. A team that shows up with their first flight being the competition is probably not going to do nearly as well um, as if they had practiced. I, I, I want to um, um, tag on to what, what David said there. I th- uh, actually, the pick on the word he said was preparedness, right? Being prepared. What does that mean? Uh, having roles and responsibility, having, having an understanding of what the rule set means, having an idea of what the interpretation of the rules mean and how to get around that, right? Pay attention to details. Pay attention to logistics and, and operation, how you're going to operate, how you're going to score. To me, in industry, right, how we score is how we get paid. And if you can figure out how to best maximize the score, it literally translate in the industry how you best maximize how, how the company is going to do. So um, being able to do all that and being able to see, I mean, see the big picture of, of, of everything, again, back to the advanced class, it's a system approach to solving a problem. Seeing the entire system and seeing all the little components I think that's going to be the most challenging part. And, and now what developing future systems engineers, future folks that, that can lead big, multiple big programs in, in the future to be able to arrive, arrive at success. Yeah. How do you, how do you architect your team? How, what skill sets do you need to have? Who's responsible for what parts of the mission? All of these things actually need to be considered and, you know, very well communicated, understood within the team in order to, be successful at execution, right? So it's everything from the structure of your team down to the actual practicing of the mission itself needs to be respected in terms of the, you know, what it brings to your team to be doing well in it. So can you give us uh, any hints or insights uh, to what might be rolling around the minds of the rules committee members for future iterations and growing this class? I'll take that first, David, you can add on. Um, the, the first part is... I want to pick on your, your, your word on iteration. That, that's one of the things that I, I um, drive on, uh, strive on or live on. It's a part of iteration. Uh, I think in industry, um, providing value to our customer is about um, providing those quick uh, value um, propositions for our customers. And how we do that is iteration. And we have tried it in the past. We have tried it. We kind of tried it in different forms from from not just the advanced class, but different classes. And we have some part have been successful, and some part has not. But I want to I want teams to start focusing on the on the idea of iteration, and not just advanced class, but in the future is is how do we develop aircraft 
and how to be provided value um, uh, using iteration. And you know, one of the things I would say is stay tuned. Um, we have a lot of ideas um, in, in, in the backlog. We have a lot of thoughts in the backlog. We have a lot of different ways of approaching those uh, ideas and, and backlog. Uh, so those are things we were challenging with. But um, uh, I know with talking with the Rules Committee and talking um, with um, what industry is looking for in the future, for example, Lockheed Martin, SpaceX, Boeing, Amazon, uh, Tesla, they have things they want to see future engineers to have knowledge of. So as we go forward, those are things I will eventually encourage our committee to start incorporating into some of our rule sets so that uh, when a student graduate from the competition, i.e. from, uh, from college, they will have some knowledge of what that means. And when they go for interviews, they'll be well positioned to, to um, land a job. Yeah, I mean, after all, that is, if you want to think about it that way, that's our product as a competition is the students. And we want to be providing the best educated and best experienced students into the marketplace so that they get, you know, the best opportunities. That's really what we're here to provide the opportunity, you know, for everyone. And everyone wins in that case, right? Students go on to get great jobs and the companies go on to get great engineers that build better products. So that's definitely very exciting for how we what we look for when we grow it and in terms of more tactically you know the way this class is set up this year is going to allow for a more natural growth versus maybe the abrupt three-year changes that we're more used to so this is going to give us the ability to grow and change this rule set maybe even year to year as we see and as we want to develop to be more in line with uh, industry needs and vision so i think that's a, a very interesting difference between the the way we're looking at the rules this year and how we've looked at them in the past. This sounds really, really exciting. I can't wait to see uh, what the students ha have to offer uh, in, in, in implementing these rule sets and everything for the next competition in 2022. Uh, is there anything that we missed or you'd like to add about the upcoming season? I'm excited generally. We're, we've, we're growing it in new and interesting ways. And I hope that the students who read through the rules get as excited as we are in all the possibilities of how to solve it and what fun they can have and um, the challenges that they're going to face. I was going to say this rule set, this year's rule set is, is, is really interesting. Um, I think one of the things that the, the committee has been working on and whether they admit it to, to it or not, it, it, they are challenging the, the students. So, um, think differently on how to approach the problem. Um, they, they really are opening up the design space. And I'm really excited to see what the student come, come up with, right? I have an idea of what I would do, but does not mean that that is the answer. And, and I'm really excited to see what they come up with and it may be a better answer. And most importantly, I think learning how to come up with a better answer is probably, probably the, the answer there. But I'm excited to see that. That, that. That's probably a good question for um, looking at past advanced classes. How many times were you surprised about an approach to tackle a new rule set? 
what one of the things I, I, I found so surprising um, was that the students didn't use existing technology, right? One of the things they, they really looked at was how can I reinvent the wheel? Uh, um, there's a lot of things out in the market today that allows them to do what we are asking to do. But uh, the rules committee this year has been really particular about paying attention to, yes, they can use that technology that's existing today, but how can they use it differently? How can they take use it for their advantage to make sure they score the highest, right? Again, back to what I said earlier is, is, is how you score is how you get paid. So are there something out there that's existing that they can use and leverage to, to use it differently to be, make, make sure they, they can uh, overcome what the, the competitors are doing? So th those are things I'm, I'm looking to see to see where what that looks like. In the past, we, we haven't done that. And I think not as, not as much or promoted as much. But this year, I think within the rules, it's designed in there to, to allow them to do that. I think because you know, Lonnie covered it pretty well that there is for in terms of surprising, the teams are always, always innovating and always innovating in interesting ways. And so in the past, you've seen, you know, four or five teams with four or five different solutions to the same problem. And that is always, you, you know, very interesting and very fun to see whose idea plays out the best. So that's what I'm looking for again. And with an even more open design space this year, I think that's going to be reinforced. Well, always looking forward to see uh, what new comes out of these competitions. Uh, everybody, please uh, make sure you're staying tuned to the news feed and everything around the competition so you can stay up on it. And we're looking forward to seeing you uh, register for the event and joining us out there in 2022. Uh, in the meantime, please subscribe, of course, to the YouTube channel. A lot of great videos, even to look back at what Microclass looked like in 2021 for that new rule set. Uh, so you can see uh, how that was and uh, all the new stuff they got to do for that. Uh, and even in comparison to what, what the previous rule set used to be. And, uh, of course, please subscribe to this podcast. If this is your first time coming across it, Flight Plans, the SAE Aero Design Podcast. I've been Mike Sorg. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We'll see you next time, and stay safe out there. Thanks for listening to Flight Plans, the SAE Aero Design Podcast. The show notes for this episode and all others can be found at aerodesign.fireside.fm. Stay safe and we'll catch you next episode.